Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So I'm going to read some verses from Isaiah 61. It's from the Old Testament, an Old Testament prophet with some powerful words. But basically, he is speaking about the power and the impact the gospel can have. And uh, this is what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The gospel is good news. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And that scripture there that talks about there will be oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. The display of His splendor is basically God putting us on show. Those who've embraced the gospel, those who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, those who've experienced the power, the, the changing, transforming power of God in their lives. It's the display of His splendor. God, God wants to put you on display, but actually He wants to put what He can do for a life on display. In fact, contained in this word splendor is the concept of bragging. God wants to brag a bit about you. He wants to brag about the power of the cross. He wants to brag about the power of the gospel, about what God can do for a man, about what God can do for a woman. Now, I talked about some of these things on uh, 23rd of September. That's available on podcasts. You can go to the website, website for, for that. And because we've kind of been talking about some stuff that's leaning into these weeks over the last couple of weeks. But one of the things that I shared uh, at the end of September was that the gospel is, is not just about avoiding hell. And I think that in a way, uh, you could, be, you know, uh, we, we, we could say that over the years, it, it could seem like that is what church was basically about. That was the message that, that you know, we're trying, that we, 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 we receive Jesus in order to try and avoid something. So in other words, I, I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We talk about, you know, in old-fashioned language, getting saved. And it's a bit like, you know, okay, I receive Jesus as Lord and my Savior. I, I climb into the lifeboat, which is the church, and I hold on 
until I die uh, or, until, or uh, until I get to heaven. I, and, and it's like, you know, I, I, it's almost like a place where I just have my behavior modified. So I, I talk about what I stopped doing. I talk about that I don't go there anymore and I don't do that anymore. And, and now I, I try and communicate to everybody that I'm a good boy, I'm a good girl. And I don't do that stuff. But that's basically where it stops. But then we believe that when we get to heaven, oh, it's going to be different then. When I get to heaven, that's when my problems will be solved. When I get to heaven, oh my gosh, then I won't have to struggle with sin. When I get to heaven, there'll be no more tears. When I get to heaven, there won't be any more problems then. And and I think that this is just such a powerful misrepresentation of what the gospel is all about. It's not, deliverance is not in death. Jesus came to bring us life. Am I, I'm not saying that heaven won't be great. Heaven won't, heaven definitely will be great. But, But God wants us to understand that the power of the gospel is strong enough, powerful enough to to call heaven down to earth. I need something that is better than one day someday. I need need something better than pie in the sky when I die. I need something right now. I've got issues in my life right now. I've got problems that need solving right now. I need God to do something for me right now. This whole concept of trying to keep God happy so that I make it into heaven is just, again, such a misrepresentation of what the gospel is. And it's, this is what I would call religion because religion is due, whereas Christianity is done. Religion says, I earn the favor of God by what? I do. So I, I read my Bible, you know, I pray, I behave myself, I try and do acts of charity, I go to church. And by doing these things, I earn, I believe that I earn the favor of God. That is what religion is. Religion is doing things, going through the motions to earn the favor of God, to earn the blessing of God. If I keep God happy, then he's going to bless me. That's why some of us will only get to church 10 minutes before the end of the service. Are we okay for a little bit of real talk this morning? or this evening, we'll we'll get to church just before the end of the service because then, well, at least I made it, Lord. We're golden, right? Because you know I've had a busy week and you know it's been tough, but at least I made it to church. So if I made it to church, then that means you're going to bless me. But you see, that is to do with religion. It's a religious approach to God. It's me trying to earn the favor of God, when in reality, God has done it all. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. It is done. I have done everything that needs 
to be done. The cross accomplished accomplished it all. Jesus is my deliverer. He is the one who sets me free through what He did on the cross. I, I do not earn the blessing and favor of God through good behavior because God is just determined to bless me. And I know, and some of you know, because even while you are living, have lived lives far from God, and maybe tonight you're sat here and are living a life far from God, and uh, don't worry, you're in safe territory. We love the fact that you are here. But what I want to say is that even when I was living a life far from God, I know that God still protected me. I know that God still blessed me. I mean, I, I, that's, that's when I was, I wasn't just sinning, I was sinning. You know, it's like there's sinning and then there's sinning, you know. And I wasn't just sinning, I was sinning. And yet, even in that situation, I know God was protecting me and blessing me. I look back and think, oh my gosh, my God, you, were, you, were, you saved me from some stuff, you know, that I don't have to deal with because you protected me from that. And that was while I was far from God. And that's while I was denying His name. And yet, God was still determined to bless me. The gospel isn't, it's not like, you know, trying to get out of prison through good behavior. You know? The truth is that we're not trying to get out of prison through good behavior. God has given us a royal pardon. We have a royal pardon. Isn't that awesome? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I couldn't do anything to earn the forgiveness, but I am forgiven through the power of the cross. I am forgiven. But then it's not just about the fact that I'm, that I'm out of prison, which is absolutely awesome. But because what is the point actually of getting a royal pardon and then living, living life in the same way that, you, that got you into prison in the first place? You know, just having a new, I don't need just a new start. I need something to happen to me. Because even if I get a blank sheet, there's something wrong with the software. <laughs> there's something wrong. I've got problems. There's a virus in my software that I need, that, that I can't do anything about. So I'm just going to repeat the behavior. But then God, by, by His Spirit, has given us His Spirit. He empowers us to live, to live free of the things that got us into prison in the first place. So Romans 8 verse 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. You. It's not just that I'm forgiven. It's not just that I have a brand new start. But God gives me His Spirit to help me live free, to empower me to live in a different way. It's that Spirit that enables us to live our lives no longer controlled by sin. It's not that I don't get tempted. It's not 
You know, the thing, the thing about becoming a Christian is we're not perfect. I know we have to come to church and look like we're perfect. You know, look like our life is perfect. It's not, we're not, we're not perfect. But, but we, you know, every one of us every day needs the Spirit of God to help us live according to the standards that the Bible gives us. But the promise is, is this, Romans 6.14, For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you are not under law, but under grace. That is an incredible promise. It doesn't say it won't be there. It doesn't say it won't be there whispering in your ear. But what it promises you is that it won't be the master. We can't be pushed around by sin anymore telling us what to do. We, we have a choice. Where before we didn't have a choice, now we've got a choice. This is the truth that we need because religion takes you through the motions but without transformation. So we just are on the repeat. We're on repeat. I fail, I, I sin, I fail, I ask for forgiveness and then I sin, I fail, I ask for forgiveness and and. and you know, I'm restored for a while and then I go back, I go back. I just live life on this cycle. And what I'm saying is that that is not what the gospel promises. Gospel, the gospel promises the power to overcome sin. Religion leaves me with a new start, but with gritted teeth and clenched fists. And I'm not going to do it. 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 And I, I, and I come to church and I, I, and I you know, I, I get my anesthetic, my shot that, 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 get, that gets me through the week. And then, I, and then I crawl back into church almost to get my, my shot the next week because it's not easy because there's this pull. There's this pull back to what I was. This pull back to the world that I've come from. And what I want to say is that, that, that the gospel, the power of the cross deals with that pull so that it will no longer have power over me, that I don't have to listen to it. Oh, it doesn't mean that the, I don't hear the knock at the door, but I don't have to answer. Jesus said in Matthew 7, He said, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life, can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life, can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand when it rained and, and the flood came, the wind and wave, with the wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Jesus is saying to us that, honestly, it's not just good enough to hear the teaching. It's not just good enough to get into the room 
where the teaching is being taught. You've got you've to apply that to your life. You've got to live by it because, hey, not, not, not because if the storms come, it's when the storms come. And I know that, you know, there's a brand of Christianity that wants to convince us that if you love the Lord and you're following Him, that you'll never get any storms. Just pray against the storm. Just pray against the storm. Just God protect us. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for protection, but we need to understand you can pray as hard as you like, but storms will come because that's life. But what God has given us is powerful enough to help us withstand the storm. What He has given us is, is more powerful than the storm. So when storms come, when we take His Word and we apply it to our lives and we live by it, that storm will not take us out where it might have done if we'd heard it, but we hadn't applied it to our lives. Life will send me some storms, but what is in me and what is on me is more powerful than the storms. And also I wanna say that Jesus won't just protect us from some things. He will protect us through some things. He will, he will lead us through some things. He will lead us through some fires. He will lead us through some valleys. Not, not because he is cruel, not because he's hard, but he will lead us through because he knows that our heart needs to understand that we're not just talking about going through valleys. The only way I'm gonna walk through a valley and know that God is with me is by walking through a valley and knowing that God is with me. It's the only way I'm gonna know. I can hear it, but the only way I'm gonna know it is by experiencing it. And you might say, oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go through dark places. I don't wanna go through valleys. But we need to understand that it's not about just avoiding the tough times. What we have is more powerful than the tough times. If God, if, if I sing songs that Jesus is my light, if I, if I declare He is my salvation, then that means that I need to go into a dark place to, to understand that Jesus is my light. I need to go through some stuff where I come out the other side and I say, oh my gosh, I didn't think I was gonna make it, but, but God has seen me through. He strengthened me. He helped me. Is there anyone in the room who can say, I know that my God has helped me. I wouldn't have got through that. I wouldn't have survived that if God had not helped me. And the only way we know is by going through it. God wants us to be strong. That's why we need to go through some things. He wants us to endure because He wants us to be durable. And I think this is a significant thing because some people, they, 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 they think about Jesus as just being like some kind of what? Talisman who protects them from bad, the bad stuff of life. And some of us have been through a bad, some bad stuff. Some of us have been through some pain. And so we don't want to face that again. But we need to understand that we, we, we have a God who won't just help us avoid the pain, but will enable us to rise above it. That pain that should have taken us down will make us stronger. That, 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 that which should have killed us will end up giving us life. 
That which sought to curse us will end up blessing us. Why? Because of the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. This is the truth. This is the reality that the gospel transforms your whole life, all your life. To me, this is not a radical thought. To some, this might be a radical thought because the gospel was once a message you heard that you responded to. It was something that maybe, I don't know, you put your hand up or you step forward and you said yes to Jesus and now you've heard the gospel, now you can crack on with the rest of your life. But I need just to understand that the gospel is something that didn't just impact us once, it impacts our life over and over and over again because on the night I gave my life to Jesus, yes, I was transformed, but I am also transforming. Let me put it this way. You know, on, on the night I gave my life to Jesus, uh, you know, it, it was not, it was really not, if this encourages somebody in the room, I hope it does. It really was not a faith-filled, dynamic prayer. I lay on my bed, flat 1919 Victoria Center. That's where I was. I wasn't even sure about church. I definitely wasn't sure about God. Didn't know, you know, is it real? Is it not real? I don't know. And, and, and I, I literally approached it. Well, you know, let, let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Let's see. I don't know. I've tried other stuff. Didn't really work. I mean, what can go wrong? It prob- this is probably not going to work. I mean, this is, this is really faith-inspiring stuff, right? I'm just being real with you. I'm being honest. That's what it was like. But on the other side of things, if I can pray that kind of prayer, and it have that kind, this kind of impact on my life, because here I am 30 years later talking to you about that night. There's something powerful. God, God doesn't need much. He just needs a crack in the door. He just needs a little bit of space because what if he can get a drop of what he's got into you, it's, it's powerful enough to change and transform everything. So I was, I was there saying, oh God, if you're there, if you're real, you know, uh, come into my life. But, because I, you know, came with the conditions already because I could, you know. Right? Uh, you know, but if you want me to be a Christian, then I want you to take away this habit of smoking. Because I tried to give up over and over again. And I, you know, I had it in my mind that really, you know, if I was going to be a Christian, I shouldn't really be smoking. But I couldn't really, um, I couldn't really give up on my own. And, and that night, that night, God set me free. Since that night, not only have I never smoked again, but I've never wanted to smoke again. My one regret is I didn't throw a few other things in at the same time because I've had to fight some other stuff for years. I should have just, if I'd have come with a bit more faith, I'd have chucked a couple more and things. Oh, and while we're talking about the smoking, there is this and there's that. And could you also deal with that? And, but I didn't. He just dealt with, the smoking. And then there are other areas. So on that night, I experienced transformation. Something changed forever. And then there are some other things that are transforming. That was transformed. Maybe one of the things I should have thrown in was, oh God, you know I'm not very patient. Maybe you could help me with that. Make me a patient person. You know, I'm the kind of thing that you know, I pray for patience and I want it now. You know, it's like, 
But that's been, that is an ongoing journey. So I was transformed, but I'm also transforming. That is the gospel. It transforms, but it also continues to transform your life, all your life. So for many of us, that can be, as it were, where the gospel stops. That can be the point where, you know, okay, now I don't go to the club like I used to. Now I go to church. Now I don't inject that like I used to. Now I go to church. Now I don't get drunk like I used to. Now I go to church. So the gospel becomes about what I've stopped doing. I'm I'm not in any way uh, nullifying or diluting the power of that experience. Let's be honest. For many of us, if not all of us, there was some stuff we need to stop doing. But the gospel isn't just about what I stop doing. The gospel is what I start doing. Let me put it another way. Jesus tells a story in Mark chapter 5. You'll have to read this uh, on your own time. But it's a great story. It's It's a great account of a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, these are the kind of things that don't really translate that well in our culture and understanding because we hear that and, and, and you say, okay, right, she's clearly not well and that's absolutely true. But there were more powerful social implications of her condition because of the law at that time, which was the Jewish law, which meant that yes, she'd been bleeding for 12 years, but also she was, because of her condition and because of what the law said, unclean which meant that she couldn't just turn up in public. It meant that she had to live an isolated and lonely life because of her condition. If you go and read it, the Bible says that she, she spent all she had on doctors. So now she wasn't only sick, she was also poor. She used to have money, but now she spent all she had on trying to get well. And the Bible says that she didn't get better, she actually got worse. So now she's not only poor, she's more sick because she tried to sort herself out. She, she came to the end of herself because There was no other avenues open to her to get well. And then she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And it doesn't doesn't really come out that powerfully in the account. But you need to understand the reality is she was so at the end of herself that she was willing to put her life on the line because being seen in public and reaching out to touch what who would have been viewed as a rabbi would have meant that by the law she should have been stoned she knew that she knew that I suppose she could have thought well what do I have to lose but the Bible says she was saying to herself if I can just touch 
the hem of his garment. And she absolutely had a Jesus encounter. She pursued Jesus. She decided to believe in the face of despair. And for many, this is where the gospel stops again. We believe, we choose to believe in the face of despair. We're in the presence of Jesus. We're pursuing Jesus, but I'm still bleeding. I'm still bleeding. And what happens is the church becomes the place where I get my, my blood transfusion. I get my blood transfusion, I come in, I get, I get, I get something that's going to last me a week. I get enough that's to keep me alive for a week. I get my blood transfusion, but I go out those doors and I'm still bleeding. That's what the gospel has become for so many. I love Jesus. I'm in the presence of Jesus, but I'm still bleeding. I'm still not fixed. But I want to say that the gospel we believe in is able to fix you. God does not want you living your life just getting your blood transfusions like you're surviving. You're living, but you're still bleeding. But what Jesus is carrying is powerful enough to stop the bleeding. And that's what she found out when she reached out and she touched Jesus, the bleeding stopped. She knew within herself that in that moment, everything was different. This is the power of the gospel. I don't need a gospel that's just going to keep me alive. I don't need a gospel that's just going to give me a blood transfusion and help me to keep surviving. I need a, I need a gospel that is going to fix my mind. I need a, a gospel that's going to fix my body. I need a gospel that's going to help heal my family. I need a gospel that's going to help heal my marriage. I need a gospel of power. I don't need just something that's going to anesthetize me against the pain of life until I die. I need something that's going to give me hope and healing and life and freedom so that I can experience heaven now on earth. But I need to reach out in faith. Because one thing she did was she reached out in faith and believed that things can be different. Jesus called her daughter. And this is what I love about Jesus. He didn't just, he didn't just stop the bleeding. He restored her soul. See that, Jesus doesn't just stop the bleeding. He restores your soul. She knew, the one who'd been rejected knew that she was accepted. Her bleeding Stopped. You see, this, this is the power of the gospel. It wasn't just that she got into the presence of Jesus. It wasn't just that she touched Jesus, but her bleeding stopped, which meant that she no longer had to live a life of isolation. She no longer had to live lonely, but she could engage. She no longer had to spend money trying to get well. That means she could prosper. The healing meant that there was... 
No longer a drain on her finances. She was sent away in peace, the Bible says, in right relationship with God. What had afflicted her no longer afflicted her. In fact, God gave her an instead. This is the power of the gospel. It gives you an instead. So what Jesus did for her was he didn't just heal her condition. But you need to understand that whilst the bleeding stopped, she had been conditioned by her condition. I want to remind you that she'd been bleeding for 12 years. She had been conditioned by her condition. She had to learn to stop living like a sick person. She'd lived in isolation. In fact, I don't know, I'm just, you know, she, life, life, had put some stuff on her. Don't forget when she, when she had been healed, she still was wearing the clothes she'd been bleeding in. Things looked the same, but everything was different. She was wearing what life had put on her. She hadn't chosen it. She didn't want it but she was wearing what life had put on her. Jesus healed her condition and slowly, and sh- but surely, she walked free from the stuff that life had put on her and you saw who she really was. She was no longer walking defined by her condition. She, lo- she learned to walk free. She learned to walk as a healthy person, not a sick person. She learned to walk with people again. She'd lived a life of isolation for all those years. Lived lonely. I want to say, and Lawrence has already mentioned it, but I want to say, you know, for some of us here, we've learned to live lonely. When he talks about let's get together and gets everyone to wave their thing in the air and, you know, talk about, you know, like your worst nightmare is turning up at an event event with someone, with with people you don't know. Oh my gosh, I I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't turn up to that. No one knows me. But Jesus can help us to make friends. the thing is, we long, we long for relationships. We long for friendships. But we wait for it to come to us when God wants us to reach out and build some of those relationships. She had to learn to walk amongst people. Maybe you need to learn to walk amongst people, but God will help you. She had to regain her confidence and walk as a whole accepted person. And I want to say to someone, you know, I, I know what it was to emerge from someone who felt rejected. That was my story. I felt that, I felt that you know, if I was gonna be loved, I needed to earn that love. I didn't feel that I could just be loved for me. I felt that, so I lived my life trying to earn the, uh, the acceptance of others. 
So you never got the real version of me because I was always trying to be what I thought you wanted me to be. I always said the things that I thought you wanted to hear and I behaved in a way I thought you wanted me to behave because then maybe you'd accept me. Maybe you would love me. Behind everything I did was the silent cry, will you love me? Will you accept me? Will you love me? Will you accept me? But Jesus did something in my heart. I understood that God's love for me was not based on my performance. He didn't love me more when I had a good day and He didn't love me less when I had a bad day. He just loved me, good and bad, for better, for worse, up, down, in, out, wherever. He just loved me, loved me, loved me, loved me. And as I learned that He loved me, I learned to love me. You gotta love you, you know. Jesus said it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you can love yourself in a godly way, you will live, love others in a godly way. So we're coming into the land. This is the power of the gospel. Christianity is not putting on a show. Christianity is not walking around pretending that I'm better when I'm not. Christianity is not pretending that I'm better than I am. Christianity is not living a life that looks good from a distance. So we all spend our life performing for one another, but hiding the truth that God knows everything about. Being a Jesus follower means that I've received the real deal. I'm not just doing my best to be my best. There is an internal force within me called the Spirit of God that helps me to make the right choices. I just feel prompted by the Spirit of God to say some, to, to say to someone that you have been trying in your own strength to stop swearing. And you've been getting annoyed and frustrated with yourself because swear words keep coming out of your mouth. And I want to encourage you that the Spirit of God is here to help you. It's not about you trying to solve that problem in your own strength. If you stop trying to do it in, in your own strength and start leaning on the Spirit of God and ask Him to help you, He will help the right words come out of your mouth. That internal force, the Spirit of God within me means that I'm tempted, but I don't have to live or follow that temptation. I don't have to live following that temptation. I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to help us because we, we do not have to. We've already established that sin shall not be my master. I get tempted, but that is not the same thing as sinning. The power of God helps me resist what, what the temptation shows me. 
understand, sure, that the door might be knocking, but I don't have to answer. And it's not that I'm just there going, oh, I don't have to answer, I don't have to answer, I don't have to answer, I don't have to. I understand that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's something that rises up in me that says, knock away, devil. Hey, yeah, I've got time. I've got time. You can knock as long as you want to because I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I choose this way of life. I choose freedom. You have lied to me. You have promised me that that is going to do me good. And all that does is enslave me. So knock away, devil, because I ain't opening the door. I am doing it God's way. I choose that which helps me to be the person God says I can be. And step by step, choice by choice, I step into the freedom that God has for me. This is the power of the Gospel. Not weak, fumbling people who are just clinging on to church until Jesus comes, but princes and princesses. People who have walked in the sewers of life. People who have walked and know what it is to walk in the filth of life, but they have been discovered, they have discovered Jesus and been and Jesus has transformed their, their mind and their heart and their body, and they no longer walk doing those things that they used to do. They walk free, true freedom. True freedom is not hiding away. True freedom is you can show it me and I'm going to say no because what is in me is more powerful. And those verses there at the end of Isaiah, it says they, those people, those people, they, those people who have had their lives transformed, those people who know what it is to walk in the kind of freedom that only Jesus can give you, those people will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The transformed will become the transformers. Those who have been rebuilt will rebuild. Those who have been restored will restore. They will renew and transform even that which has been ruined for generations. See, real Christians, I mean real Jesus followers, are not holier than thou. They are battered, broken, bruised people who used to bleed, but Jesus has touched them and healed them from the inside out. And now they are world changers in the name of their Saviour who saved them. If you believe it, give the Lord a clap offering. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.